morning, and welcome to Atheist Talk on KTNF AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Good morning to all of you joining us locally by radio and streaming online. We appreciate you tuning in. Today is Sunday, February 10th, 2019, and I'm your host, and cheese that does not stand alone, Hertzy Hertz. With me today is Farmer Dell from the podcast Evidence-Based Eating, and Steve Shives with his YouTube channel, Steve. <laughs> easy to remember yeah no that's your youtube channel steve shives yeah i'm just it's just my name now yeah ah uh, all right fine well your youtube channel steve shives <laughs> this is an open conversation and we welcome and encourage listener interaction with your phone call to 952-946-6205 your emails to radio at mnatheist.org tweet us at at atheist talk or check out our Facebook page, Atheist Talk. The phone number is only available when we are live, but you can always email, tweet, or comment whether you're li- we're live or listening to the podcast. Today, we're going to talk about Star Trek, probably some more sci-fi, and admittedly, our pets. Because <laughs> Del-, Del and I have a very special connection with our pets because <laughs> two of my cats I got from Farmer Del. Yeah, uh, 50% of your pets, yes. <laughs> 50%. <laughs> I am the crazy cat lady. <laughs> uh, so it's Farmer Dell, Steve, welcome and good morning to Atheist Talk. Good morning. Good morning. Yes. I totally planned this out, so where do we <laughs> want to start? <laughs> or we could start with the weather because Dell and – oh, gosh, the weather here is insane. Well, it was not very bad when I left my house, but it's exactly. almost an hour drive. And, um, you know, the last, like, 15 miles, I was like, wait, we're having a blizzard? I did not know that when I left. <laughs> I know. I thought that was supposed to happen, like, tomorrow. Mm, well, get it over with early, I guess. It's I fine. know. Well, no, no, because I, I have a car that needs to be towed. Oh. Yeah. I barely got into the parking lot here, I have to say. Yeah. At least getting out will be easier because it's a little it's it's down. down. Just make sure that you slow that down so that you don't, like, go skidding. I love winter. Yeah. I love living in Minnesota. Wait. Yep. That's sarcasm. Well... <laughs> It, it does mean we we don't have some of the, the, the stuff of other states. No hurricanes. There are no hurricanes, there no earthquakes. Are, that is true. That is very true. And Steve, Steve, you're out on the East Coast, right? Yeah, I'm in Maryland. So I feel really bad complaining about the weather to people in Minnesota. <laughs> I, I feel like, I oh, it was 19 this morning. 19. Like, I feel like that's not, I don't really have anything there. <laughs> It hits 19 degrees right now, and we're just like, score! Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. We don't need a coat! Hilariously, my coat is in my car. <laughs> I mean, it's not that bad. It's like above no. zero right now. It's great. Actually, I know. It's fine. It's totally fine. I've, I've been wearing socks to bed. That's how cold it's been here to me. And I'm sure in Minnesota, I would just I would be booking a flight somewhere else by now. That's Because so Maryland depends. winters are plenty for me. <laughs> yeah, but then you have hurricanes. Oh uh, well, we we sometimes we catch the edge of those, but we're usually. We, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in coming years? Thanks to climate <laughs> change, it's going to be a wonderful adventure. But uh, tr- historically, we don't get too many hurricanes in my area. But uh, yeah, I'm sh- uh, that might be about to change. Yay! Yay! I'll get to live through a hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, at least it's live through. I mean, yeah. I, did you catch my subtle embedded optimism there? Yeah. <laughs> I'm presuming I'll survive. Yeah. Admittedly, we do have tornadoes. Yeah, we're. I mean, they're not. We're not in tornado alley. We're like the edge. We're like the edge of tornado alley. So it's not like. So that's actually. I know this is completely off topic, but it's odd, interesting question because I've been to your your farm, Dell and. What is the plan for tornadoes? Uh, I don't have a plan for tornadoes. I mean, there's, there's, what you you know, you're not going to get the cows in the basement. So, actually, a really weird thing about my place, which I didn't realize, is I'm actually not, not very far from a, a nuclear power plant, and I didn't. I, I guess I knew that because you can see it, but I did never paid attention until I had moved in. And in like uh, I think it's like in the fall or November, you get a thing in the mail that's a calendar, but it also has like everything you're supposed to do in the event of a nuclear disaster, um, it, including like the calendar is a sign. Um, on the back that says notified because you're supposed to put it in your window so that people don't have to come in your house looking for you to tell you of the problem. But anyway, there's a whole thing. And I'm like, wow, I did not think about that when I moved in here because we're like in the five to seven mile fallout zone or whatever. So yeah, so in the event of a nuclear disaster with my cows, and this actually happened over uh, in Fukushima, there was actually, that's a fairly agricultural part of Japan. Um, you, you can't drink the milk from my cows. So what what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to ship in food from elsewhere because the food around you is contaminated and you still are supposed to throw the milk away for a certain amount of time because the milk can be radioactive. Anyway, it's, yeah, it, it, that, that would not be ideal. So. <laughs> so that's what I think about when it comes to disasters. I'm not very worried about tornadoes, just nuclear explosions. <laughs> Please tell me I'm not. As long the- as it's not a radioactive tornado. Please tell me I'm not the only one thinking of Fallout, the video game. <laughs> Mutated cows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's uh, there's some interesting YouTube videos out there that got passed around the farming community after Fukushima of people, you know, who they, they had to evacuate and, like, leave their animals. And then they come back and, you know, they're all still chill because they gave them a bunch of food before they left. And they can they can't make money off it, but at least they're all still there and... Yeah, yeah. I guess that that's one interesting part is just like you know the animals will will survive a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, and anytime there's flooding, um, I guess in the agricultural community, a lot of stuff gets passed around because like we can't evacuate or we we can, but our animals can't. And so like, what do you do? And like a lot of times, it's not a lot to be done. You can just maybe open all the gates and they'll find high ground on their own and just cross your fingers. So it's kind of. It's a thing to worry about. It's thing farmers have to worry about with natural disasters. Mm. All right. Well, let's actually get supposed <laughs> onto the topic that we we'll, hey, I was the one who went off topic. <laughs> let's go to the topic that we all agreed to talk about for five minutes. Um, oh, oh, Secular Soup, apparent. Maddie just messaged me. Secular Soup is tweeting a question, which is, what is everyone's favorite soup? What's everyone's favorite soup? Yes. I, I, if you guys don't mind, I'll go first. Go for it. Please. I am strange. I like fruit soup. It is a Norwegian Scandinavian dish, kind of a dessert thing. And it's what? (laughs) We found this recipe when I was five years old. Um, It is raisins, apricots, cherries, um, just all kinds of fruit put together into like this 
thing and you simmer it and there's some tapioca pudding. It's the only time I like tapioca pudding. I can't stand it outside of it. Um, but it's like it's got some spices and cinnamon and stuff. It's really good. It looks gross. It looks really, really bad. But when you try it, you're like, oh, that's not – that's good. That's good. So, yeah, so that was that was the thing I grew up with, which I, I actually – I should make again. I should make a big batch for people's. I would try it. <laughs> <laughs> Del is looking very nervous. <laughs> Well, tell what's your favorite soup. I didn't know that we were supposed to have a favorite soup. I mean, I like I like soups. Soup is a good good thing. I I, I don't really have a favorite. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Hey, Amy and Amy need to know. I, I I I like a lot of soups. I guess I'm pretty pretty. I don't know. Not picky. I will even try your fruit soup, although I'm extremely skeptical. <sighs> Everyone is. <laughs> Steve, how about you? That what I just I'm in awe of that political answer. I like soup. Soup is good. Um, I my favorite right now is probably my wife makes this lentil soup that is like lentils and vegetable stock and um, you know just like carrots and celery and stuff like that. And then you blend it very lightly so it has a slightly sort of chunky pureed quality to it, but it's mm. not like all the way liquefied and it is just the best thing in the world throw a little salt and pepper on it and maybe a little dollop of sour cream oh oh it's the best thing in the world so that's that's my favorite soup Mm. (laughs) now we're all hungry (laughs) yeah i haven't eaten breakfast yet (laughs) i was about to say it's about time for second breakfast i always have breakfast before i milk the cows and after i milk the cows it's very important favorite breakfast soup anybody no is there such a thing yeah i have no idea yeah, I was going to say, I don't think there is such a thing as breakfast soup. Hertzy, is your soup supposed to be a dessert? Yeah, it's kind okay. of, it's more of a dessert kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Or so a snack. Because I've never really heard of like a dessert soup, but that's a dessert soup, so. Yeah, I have heard of strawberry soup, which is usually, usually served cold, strawberries, yogurt, that kind of. Where do you find these things? <laughs> Actually, the strawberry soup is another one from like super long ago. I got this cookbook when I was a kid, when I was like six years old, and I made tuna melts and I made fruit soup for family for dinner when I was super little with, of course, mom's supervision. All right. Adorable. Hmm. Yeah. I've always loved cooking. I love cooking. It's just so much fun. I like cooking. I, I mean... I do I do the cooking in our house, I guess. Growing up my dad did all the cooking in our house, so Yeah, there's he was just much better at it. There's an interesting time because there's the, the time where mom did a bunch of the cooking and then she went back to school and so then dad took over a lot of that stuff. Mm. So yeah, he he really mastered the grill during that time. It was really good. Mm. <laughs> so Steve, who do who does the cooking at your home? Well, uh, my wife usually makes the soup. That's her area. And I usually cook breakfast and other times we kind of switch off. I I like cooking to the extent that I can do it. I'm not super great at it or I'm not – I don't have a very broad skill (laughs) set. But to the extent that I'm able to do it, I I really enjoy it and I do it. I guess I do it a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, come on. Welcome – or stay with us through the break where maybe we might even get to start your (laughs) You're listening to Atheist Talk. (laughs) 
Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. You're tuned in to Atheist Talk, and I'm your host, Hertzie Hertz, talking with Farmer Dell and Steve Shives about Star Trek, pets, and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Atheist Talk is produced with funding from Minnesota Atheists and Cucumbers Restaurant in Edina, Minnesota. Please consider visiting our sponsors, and if you do, let them know you appreciate their support of Atheist Talk and with Cucumbers, their soup. If you'd like to advertise on the program and help keep us on the air, please contact us at radio at mnatheist.org. As for the here and now, if you'd like to get involved in the conversation with Dell and Steve Shives and I this morning, you can call us at 952 9466205 email us at radio at mnatheist.org tweet us at at atheist talk or check out our facebook ta- page atheist talk i always have to slow down when i do the phone number because mm-hmm. my, my mom has told me a couple of times she's like hersey you need to slow down <laughs> i talk too fast <sighs> all right so we're going to start with a, another what's your favorite who and it's more of a who is your captain dell Oh, uh, uh, definitely, definitely Janeway. Absolutely. All right, Steve. Oh, Cisco. Cisco, that's mm. good Cisco. Ones. And we're just going to keep going back because, admittedly, my captain is Picard. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I am such a rules follower that I fully admit Picard is where Picard is who I would end up being. Oh well, Picard I might end up being mm. Picard, but I mean, I think he's just—he's a little mean sometimes. I, I dislike the—I dislike the constant. Um, you know, Jordy says, "Get this done in in a week," and Picard says, "You have twenty four hours." I'm like, "This is just—that's just not how stuff works." Like, you just couldn't, and then it just happens over and over, and you're like, "Okay, well, now you're just being a jerk." I was gonna say a lot of those times he really only had twenty four hours. It's like. <laughs> we'll be dead in 24 hours. That's how yeah. long you have. <laughs> Normally, this takes a week. We we don't have a week. We really don't have a week. Yeah. Well, then maybe Jordy's really bad at time estimation. <laughs> he just needs motivation. Is that what it is? Yeah. So maybe Captain Picard knows that Jordy's always going to, like, put five times the time on it. And, and he's just like, no, I know you're better than that. Don't be lazy. Jordy. Jordy, you're such a slacker. Come right. on. Right. Like, you don't need sleep. <laughs> I was going to say, Picard Picard pushes people. But, I mean, he pushes them to, to find alternative ways of doing things. Yeah. Uh, Janeway, though. Janeway, Janeway is definitely a good one. Because, I mean, she was thrown, I think, in the... I admittedly think I think she got thrown the worst circumstances. Yeah. And well, she did a really good job with I it. I just feel like maybe with Picard, they're doing a little bit of that bad TV trope of like the mean boss where they make the boss mean for no real reason to create drama. And I mm-hmm. feel like they fall into that a little bit. Whereas Janeway, I feel like I get that like we're all a team in this together from her a little bit more. So, Oh, yeah. Well, especially because she's dealing with two different crews. She's got the Marquis crew and, the, and the, the Federation. And for those who don't know Star Trek, the Federation is kind of the what, what Star Trek has been following. That organization is very, very rigid, um, takes a lot of its, its – It's like the military, basically. It's like the Navy specifically. It's yeah. very much yeah. the Navy in space, whereas the Marquis is a group of people who – they're kind of like the the rebellion yeah. in Star, well, Star Wars. Yeah, well, and they've actually committed like some serious terroristic acts. Yeah, well, which is part of the reason I say the rebellion because if you, yeah. I mean, yeah, the rebellion, but like y- you agree with them, but you don't. 
but you do, but well, you, you can, don't. Well, I think you can understand their motivations, but their methods have, you know, have been actual actual terrorist attacks at, at certain points. I don't know, Steve, you probably are a little more familiar with canon than I am, but I'm not, well, I, I don't yeah, have it memorized. Well, yeah, you've got it. You've got it pretty right. I mean, the thing about the, the Maquis is that, yeah, you, wh- I, when I was a kid and I watched the show, I was like, oh, yeah, so they're the bad guys. But watching it now, it's like, uh, yeah, their their methods are sometimes questionable, but they kind of have a point because the whole reason the Maquis were created was because their homes were given to a hostile government through a treaty. Mm-hmm. And they were basically told they had to pick up and leave. And they were like, but we, we don't want to leave. We didn't choose we, we want to live here and you know it was sort of they felt like they had no choice but to rebel so star trek what just one second so star trek gets a lot of its influence from current political events which I, which is one thing i've loved about the show it's that they they hit a lot of that stuff head on i wonder if the marquis and the bajoran and the cardassians kind of had a uh, israeli pakistan part with it uh like a nod to Middle Eastern conflicts. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just, I yeah. think. Just a thought. I mean, they could be wrong. It could be something like now we look at it and go, huh, that's relatively similar. I think I think the the cool thing about it is you can read it a couple of different ways. Like I think with the on Deep Space Nine with the Bajaran Cardassian occupation thing, I mean I think you can look at that as they're commenting on the Israeli Palestinian situation and they're also I think commenting on it's it's a reference to World War Two and, and uh the Nazis because I mm. think the Cardass the Cardassians to me, especially when I watch the show now, like they're they're trying pretty hard to tell us the Cardassians are the Nazis. Hmm. Yeah, know, it's a it's it's a fascist government. They have basically, you know, subjugated the Bajarans for decades and and mistreated them horribly and you know committed what is arguably a form of genocide against them. And it's like, yeah. okay, I think I get this, you know. So, tell you had a thought before I went into that. Uh, well, I was going to ask. Um, I don't – so the Maquis came into the storyline, I think, late in DS9. Is that correct? They were never in Next Gen? No, they were in Next were Gen. They? Yeah, they were in Next they, Gen at the very end. They were in end. Next Gen – yeah, when, when, it's, when Deep Space Nine and Next Gen still overlapped. Yeah, because yeah. uh, Roe – Ensign Roe was the yeah. first because that's – when they started bringing in Ensign Roe, they started bringing in the um, Bajoran conflict, which I think is then when they – entered into Deep Space Nine. So it's, it's almost like they they like set it all up for this long, continuous storyline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so the what happened was there were colonists, humans and other species, right? And there – or was it just – no, because there were, there were non-humans that were part of the Maquis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, because um, what's it? Bel, uh, Tor, Bel she was Balana. Balana. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Balana was uh, half Klingon. Right. And weren't there Well, I remember that the actor that plays Tuvok was a was a um oh, one of the DS9 episodes where they went into the a mirror universe and Yeah. But I don't know that he was supposed to be a named character Tuvok, but it was him as a yeah. Vulcan and just randomly. Well, and I was like, wait. <laughs> yeah. I think that was supposed to be Tuvok. Was it supposed to tu- be Tuvok? Because Tuvok was undercover in the Maquis. 
Oh yeah, at that's the beginning right. of Voyager. That's how he got. Yeah, that's how he. That's got what I couldn't Oops. remember. <laughs> yeah. So interestingly, so just with the age that I am, I watched Voyager on TV as it came out new, but not like the first season. So I like fell in love with all the characters without knowing who was Maki and who wasn't. And then only when I went back and watched the originals like on Netflix a few years ago did I actually watch the first season and see how it all developed. So my my head is a little. It was a little unclear on that. It happens. And I also never watched DS9 until I had Netflix because it was syndicated when I was a kid. And so was Next Gen. And I loved Next Gen. But DS9 does not work very well syndicated. And I was just like, why do I care about these people? This is silly. So I think I'm in love because it works great on Netflix. (laughs) Okay, so Lisa looks great on Netflix. It Um, does. (laughs) Stay with us through the break where we'll be talking more about Star Trek. We'll probably go into Star Wars because admittedly I'm a huge Star Wars fan um, and other subjects. Thank you for tuning in to Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF. I'm your host, Hertzie Hertz, and we are having what I would classify as a wonderfully random conversation <laughs> with Farmer Dell and Steve Shives. If you'd like to get involved with the conversation with Dell, Steve, and I this morning, you can call us at 952-946-6205, email us at radio at mnatheist.org, tweet us at, at Atheist Talk, or check out the Facebook page. Lo and behold, named Atheist Talk. <laughs> there, I do have a little bit of house cleaning. Uh, keeping, I want to note our group of dedicated volunteers and the generous donations of you, our listeners. You'll help keep Atheist Talk on the air and in podcast form. I don't have a donor of the week today, but thank you so much for your donations. And if you would like to consider doing a donation, you can do so at our Radio Fund page or at our Patreon, where you can get extended interviews at www.patreon.com slash atheisttalk. Minnesota Atheist is a 501c3 tax-deductible organization, and we cannot do this show without you, and we deeply appreciate your support. Music for Minnesota Atheist is by composer and member Brent Michael Davis and is used with permission. Please note, all opinions are of the guest and the host only and do not necessarily reflect those of Minnesota Atheist organization, especially when it comes to soup. <laughs> Are you saying that Minnesota Atheist does not have like an established favorite captain? Like, I don't think. Yeah, what about that? I don't think we have a favorite captain either. The board would have to vote on this. Yeah, Um, yeah. I can. And as a board member, I can put this on our agenda. (laughs) I think you need to settle this. This is important. I will. I will give a little background on our board. There are sometimes things that come up that are just completely randomly wonderful, like who's our favorite captain and such. And I love. I love our board. I love working with them, but. Let's get back to our conversation. I have a question, if you don't mind. Put us on a a related, but possibly a tangent. Go for it. Have you folks watched the Orville? I want to. I want to so bad because I've heard so many good things about it. Steve, I think, did you maybe put up some videos related to this recently? I thought maybe I saw that somewhere. Yeah, well, I did a a video about the Orville after its first season, or Mm -hmm. a little bit midway through its first season. I haven't done anything about it recently, but I've been watching the new season so far. I think I, I haven't seen the most recent episode that yeah, aired me either. this week, but but I'm, other than that, I'm up to date on it. Yeah, I think my dad watched an episode or two, and he loved it because he's like, it's Star Trek. But some of the stuff is just the the normal everyday stuff that you don't think about. Like, we should have 
donuts. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it does really well because it's not trying to be a drama. It's not trying to take itself seriously. I don't know. My husband was kind of of the opinion that if they actually leaned into being a comedy just a little bit more, they'd actually be better. Like they're working a little bit. He thought, you know, you kind of have to pick if you're going to be a comedy or be serious. But overall, I think it's really well done. And I think they've handled some of the central themes of Star Trek better than Star Trek does sometimes. Like, um, you know, just like moral relativism and stuff, they've actually managed to handle it almost a little bit better by the end of the episode, you know? I don't know. Is it on, is it on yeah. Netflix? Tell me it's on Netflix. Uh, or Hulu. 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 I can do Hulu. Yeah, I yeah, watch Hulu. it on Hulu. I can do yeah. Hulu. I, you know, I had kind of the same problem you said you described your husband having with it. And I, I where in the early episodes where it felt like it was trying to be two things and it couldn't decide yeah. which one yeah. it wanted to be. But I think since about toward the end of the first season and so far all through the second season, I feel like it's really relaxed and kind of settled down. Yeah. And it, like I, I like the way you sort of described it as it, it's mostly a drama, but it doesn't take itself seriously. So it can have those sort of goofy moments, but it doesn't try too hard to be like, okay, now we're going to do something funny. Now there will be jokes. Right. <laughs> you know, it just, and I feel like it's working really, really well this season so far. I, I, I really enjoy it. One thing I actually really love about, um, well, not love, but one thing that does make me laugh about the about shows and such is so many times the first season is very rocky, yeah. and people are always like, yeah. "Well, the first season sucked." I'm like, "Well, the first season is almost always going to suck." You have a whole bunch of actors who have not worked together for very long. Everyone's yeah. trying to figure out what's going what on. Mean? Just wait it out. Yeah, I think the only one that that didn't have as much problems with that, oddly enough, was Firefly. They mm. seem to gel really well together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time well, since I saw Firefly, but I have. <laughs> well, and you know, uh, in my experience, I think if it, 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 tastes differ, obviously, but if you go back and you watch the first season uh, again, because like, uh, the Star Trek shows have that reputation, mm-hmm. at least the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the post-classic Trek shows have that reputation where it's like, oh, the first season is eh. But uh, I've gone back and watched them all again recently, just in the last couple years. And even though like, like the first season of Next Generation, I think, is still pretty weak, but it's not nearly as bad as I remember it being. And the first season of Deep Space Nine, I always remembered as being kind of weak, too. But I, when I watched it again, I actually really liked it. I thought it was a very strong first season. So, you know, it, it can kind of depend on where you're approaching it from. You know? And I remember the first shows of, of Deep Space Nine and watching it because my family, my whole family has is pretty much Trekkers. And so I remember watching it and thinking it just seemed to sail. And again, I was really, I was pretty young. I think I was like 11 or something. But it, to me, it sailed really well. You know, it yeah. flowed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here's a, a question that not everyone asks about Star Trek. Who is your favorite non-captain character. I mean, I could get more specific, but like, who's your favorite doctor? Mm-hmm. But, but like, I mean, <laughs> Go position are, to position. Yeah, I don't know if we, we want to do that. But so many times we, we, we talk about the captains and such, but there's a plethora of characters who are wonderful in those shows. So who's your favorite non-captain character? Steve, you can go first. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, it's really tough it's 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 tough tough. to pick because there are so many i mean for me personally like i could just i could say oh it's the it's everybody else on deep space nine and a tie you know what i mean because i just but um like i love i love odo from deep space nine i obviously i love i love data uh i love i love uh jadzia dax and major kira 
Um, I'll tell you who is a, a very strong contender from Discovery is uh, Saru. Mm. Um, Saru is just I, I, every time I see him, I love him more and more and more. Uh, I um, need to catch up on Discovery. Yeah, I was just, yeah, put a pin in that. We should talk about Discovery oh, when we're done with this question. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. But yeah, I, I may take I, off my headphones so I don't get spoilers. Uh, well, I haven't <laughs> watched the most recent season either, so uh, I haven't watched any of it. I no. won't spoil anything. I promise. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Um, Hertzie, who's your favorite? Oh, I had one, and then oh. he kept mentioning all these great characters. I'm like, oh, you know. I have to admit, I think one of my favorites is Worf, because I think he oh, went through. He's a good so character. Great. Not only is he a good character in the sense of like you know he was the actor was amazing, absolutely amazing, but he was the one who had some of the best storylines of trying to work out you know where he is and such and and who he is. And- I think he wasn't the greatest actor when he first started, but you got to watch him really grow into the role. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Over multiple franchises, you know? So. <laughs> well, and that's the other part. And then when he and Jed Zia got together, that was just... See, I wasn't a huge fan of that. I um, I very much I identify really strongly with Jedzia, uh, and it's kind of how I see my own gender from a certain stance. And I just identify with her really, really strongly. But growing up, I was saying I was kind of raised on Voyager when I was like 11, right? Um, I actually identified so strongly with Seven of Nine, um, <laughs> which is interesting because I feel like she's a lot of people's least favorite character. Um, but she was just, she was sort of misunderstood and all of that and um i just i just really identified with her strongly and she was kind of my my absolute favorite (laughs) i think seven of nine had a great again great actress great storyline the problem isn't the character the problem is what they tried to do with the character as as production as putting her in in the the skin tight suits and such and i was kind of i was kind of like just put her in a uniform (laughs) or just put her in in something a little more normal because we don't This is taking away from. In it's a, a yeah, it's actually distracting from the storyline, and and it's certainly a strong enough character. Yeah, well, and that's why I think people are annoyed by her, you know. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, like we just had a lot of really similar personality traits and similar struggles, and so I was just like, yeah, yeah, she's great. Like oh, yeah. I'm think, just like her. And again, wonderful character. Yeah. So you are not a fan of the Jedzia Wharf? Uh I don't know. I'm just. <laughs> <gasps> See, the problem is I had to watch Worf. So Worf with, with oh, was it was it Kayla? Kalar? Help yeah. me out, Steve. <laughs> was that her name? Kalar, yeah. Kalar, okay. Kalar, which only appeared in like maybe three episodes, but mm. as a supporting character was like the mm. best. Like mm. I think almost. <laughs> she un- was great. I think almost universally great. everyone loves that character and it was like the worst decision to do that. Yeah. Um, then you had... Then he went into a, a, a love thing with Deanna Troy, and that one just always made me go, what? Yeah, that was weird. It felt very random. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like, we need you to get together with someone. Yeah. Shake we ice. don't know what else to do. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, was, it was very odd. And so um, so, when, so when he went with, with Jedzia, it was going again to that that kind of someone who, who mirrored Kalar a little bit yeah. in the sense of just being that strong and independent and such and not taking a shit. <laughs> uh, Sorry, Sam. <laughs> uh, That's what the dump button's for. Uh yeah, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. I was going to say, so it's it's not that I'm like opposed to the Jedzia Wharf relationship. I'm just generally a person that um, 
when I really fall in love with a character on the screen, whenever they get together with anybody, I'm just like, oh, dang it, this was much more fun beforehand. And I just think that's a weird personality trait that I have. So yeah, that I can work with. <laughs> uh, so here's another question. Who's your favorite supporting character? Like not on the main the main cast or whatever, but just kind of somebody who showed up every so often. Uh, Kayla is obviously, you know, a, like I said, kind of a universal favorite. So we'll just put her her side for a moment. <laughs> you know, I it's I mean, it's like the the most obvious answer for someone who is like a next generation era Trekkie. But I, I kind of think I have to say Q. Oh, <laughs> that's where oh. I thought you were going. It's, I mean, it's like the most obvious answer, but it's like I, almost almost every Q episode is a good episode. You know, whenever he shows up, it's like, oh, this is going to be a good episode. And his his his, you know, interaction with Picard is so funny. There's that scene. I forget which one it is. I think it's it's there's an episode where there's a girl on the ship who is who is who is half Q or something. And Q has come to take her back. And Picard gives Q this big speech about how, you know, the Q don't have a moral center and she should be allowed to choose for herself. And and Q kind of takes a beat and looks at him and then he says, you know, Jean-Luc, sometimes I think the only reason I come here is to listen to these delightful speeches of yours <laughs> and it's just perfect so oh. i think i gotta say q and how do you feel about q and janeway i'm not a fan of q's voyager appearances except mm. for the first one i think his first voyager episode is is really strong but other than mm. that i think it's it's like diminishing returns <laughs> from there on out mm. i like to think that that q also makes an appearance in my little pony because John Delancey actually does voice a <laughs> oh. character in My Little Pony who is a chaos being. Oh, that's funny. And so it's one of those Fantastic. I'm just like, mm. yeah, that's just Q. Yep. That's just Q. You're just Q here. You're just, just credit Q. you as Q. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the character's name. I'm sure Billy tweeted at me. Um, but Maddie, by the way, has mentioned that on Twitter, Picard is winning in the favorite category. Uh, Janeway is a strong second. Oh, okay. Well, I we'll, we'll so. see how that goes. Steve, Cisco's Cisco's behind. You got to find some friends Come to tweet on. at the where, show. Where, where are my Cisco people at? <laughs> and he Cis- was the emissary of the prophets. Yeah, yeah. The way DS Nine handles religion is really interesting too, since this is an yeah. atheist show. That <laughs> is true. We should probably talk about that, um, but we're going to have to talk about that after the break. So please stay with us. And thank you for tuning in to Atheist Talk on AM nine fifty KTNF. Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. You're tuned in to Atheist Talk, and I'm your host, Hertzie Hertz, in studio with Farmer Dell and our live long and prosper guest, Steve Shives. (laughs) And this is our final segment with Dell and Steve, which makes me very sad because this has been a great conversation. And if you're curious about Minnesota Atheists, you can check us out at the Minnesota Atheist website. We have previous episodes, articles, book reviews, and you can peruse the calendar of upcoming events. You can also sign up for the Atheist Weekly email, which will give you links to upcoming events. We always have a ton of activities going all around the Twin Cities and outlying suburbs. For example, in April, we have our dinner with the board with a mouth-watering menu, and also a great chance to meet and talk with board members. If you enjoy the show and all that Minnesota Atheists has to offer, consider becoming a member of Minnesota Atheists while you're on the website. Membership has great perks Check out the hows and the whys on the website. And now back to our conversation with Farmer Dell and Steve Shives. Yeah, so I was just going to say, uh, you know, 
individual episodes of Star Trek handle religion, usually from a perspective of like, you know, we landed on this planet and they have a religion and, and, and what do we do now? Or, or the classic, you know, we've landed and now they saw us and they think we are gods, which, uh, even the Orville did real recently. Um, but, but DS9 is the only one that has like a whole, like it's, Kind of permeates the whole thing of you know they're they're near Bajor and and Captain Cisco they think Captain Cisco is basically their Messiah and so it's like a constant issue that they have to to grapple with and so religion becomes like a really big part of that whole show and, is, and isn't that something that Cisco himself has to grapple with too sometimes Steve yeah. since you're the expert on Cisco <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, I think that's that's a big part of Cisco what or, what ends up being Cisco's character arc is that he he starts out being very reluctant and very ambivalent toward that role and then gradually he he comes to accept it and it becomes like a, a really major part of who he is um, so yeah definitely and I think it seems like the show sort of land, lands on a religion or their religious prophecies are sort of a metaphor for things that happen in real life. So there's nothing supernatural about it, but we can still say it's okay, sort of is where they land. Well, I was going to say, I thought in the first episode, they prove that they're aliens. Right. And so that's the thing is there's nothing supernatural. It's just aliens, but also... Or we should should say beings that live in the wormhole. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just a, another. It's not. Uh, it's not supernatural, right? Um, but but the religion is. Does that mean the religion is not true just because they're aliens and not gods? I mean, they're still doing the things and the prophecies, and so I feel like they sort of land on a. Well, it's not really true, but it is metaphorically true, and therefore we can just roll with it. Is sort of where they land. Thoughts? Yeah, there's there's a there's a really good episode in, in Deep Space Nine's first season that I actually used as the basis for one of my YouTube videos um, about where there's a, a conflict between whether or not they should teach the Bajaran religion in mm. the station, mm-hmm. in the space mm-hmm. station's school, and it really you know dives into that science versus religion conflict where the teacher is like, you know, I will teach the students the facts about the wormhole and the wormhole beings and but but if they want to learn the Bajaran religion, they'll have to learn that at church. Well, I'm not going to teach that here. Because and, the teacher is a yeah. Starfleet well, she's not yeah. in Starfleet, her husband's in Starfleet, but she's a human, right. so she's taking a very scientific she doesn't have any exposure to the religion or cultural um attachment to the religion, and then some Bajorans are very upset about that. I feel like Keiko was kind of in kind of in the Federation. She's a botanist. So yeah, I think so she was she wasn't like a Starfleet officer, but right. she was Yeah, but Anyways. what I'm saying is she's she's not Bajoran, right? So she's yeah. not from their she wasn't raised around their religion culturally and she's definitely not a follower of their religion. So she's just gonna teach the science because she's from the Federation side. Yeah. Well, and I would in that episode no credit, I haven't I don't recall watching that episode. I would love to see someone in that episode, though, also being like, well, hey, I am Bajoran, and I also agree we shouldn't be teaching our religion in a classroom where there are multiple cultures. Because there yeah. are people, because it's, it's a similar to the thing where there are people who are Christian who look and go, well, no, my religion should not be taught in a school where there's multiple cultures because <laughs> – I don't want I don't want any religion being taught in a public school. That's not yeah. the point. Steve, where did Kira land on that? Kira was at, wasn't she kind of the one that we follow? Like she originally was on the side of the Bajoran religion and then sort of thought about it. Yeah. Harder, okay. Right? Yeah. She, she kind of 
went back and forth where she yeah. saw Keiko's side of it, but then she also saw the religion side of it because she because it, that was her religion and she was like, well, what's wrong with teaching them the religion? And yeah, she was I think eventually she kind of landed on Keiko's side of it, though. OK, yeah. And just generally what they did throughout the story arc and how the, I, I kind of I kind of liked how Kira never just like dropped her religion just because she saw all the scientific side of it. Not because it wouldn't be great to, to see everybody be like, all right, well, they're actually aliens. We don't believe in supernatural <laughs> stuff anymore. But just because it seems a little more realistic. I think that's more what we can hope for in the real world is like people continuing to act rationally, even though they don't actually want to drop all of their religious baggage. I, I just think it's a little bit more realistic, I guess, even though it's not exactly the feel-good ending that an atheist would hope for. My, my, my hope is that it just kind of peters out. <laughs> yeah. Because um, there are people, like, I grew up Catholic, and, you know, there was a, there wasn't, and I did like some of the, the ritualish parts of stuff, hmm. or even just the songs, I, you know, I w- was recently at a Catholic wedding, or funeral, and <laughs> it's too tall. Hard to tell the difference, right? <laughs> In the Catholic church, admittedly to a point <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna lie yeah because it's it's basically a mass with then this other thing that that they toss in for like 10 minutes with a different homily it's just a different homily <laughs> yes. um but you know there were you know some of the songs and stuff that you know that i grew up with and so I could see that that idea of you know bringing these traditions but also just realizing that there's nothing there mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, I, how does – so the very last episode of DS9, it, is Cisco fulfilling Bajoran prophecy, right, Steve? Yes. Yeah, he, he is he is taken into the wormhole to be with the prophets. Yeah, which is yeah. – so you kind of wonder oh, – you were talking about religion petering out, Hurt. So you kind of wonder, okay, so once the prophecy is fulfilled, does the Bajoran religion peter out a little bit? But they don't really address that. And, you know, it, like I said, as an atheist, I'm not sure I really liked – that they just kept, you know, that the Bajoran religion just kept being right. You know, I, I'm not yeah. sure I liked it, but I do think it's Can you imagine? a little bit more realistic as how as how religions are going to go. They're going to find a way to find real events and, and put them in their boxes. It's you're just not going to get everybody to suddenly change their minds. Can you imagine being the prophets? Because now, if I recall correctly, the prophets don't really have a concept of time. No. So we have to add that into all of this. So without a concept of time, they have to find a way to make sure all of their prophecy stuff comes true. That sounds like a headache and a half. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, this whole thing is time management And the thing is, they don't even even understand. It's not that they don't experience time. It's like they don't even understand what time is. So I'm not even sure they're capable of making sure that they... Well, I was going to say, <laughs> with that, thank you for tuning in to Atheist Talk. We'd love to see you again next Sunday, which should be another exciting episode. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful weekend and drive safe if you're in Minnesota, because, oh my gosh, I doubt the snow has gone down. We'll find out. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm.